On today's headline update show for Ranting Politics, we cover the following headlines. World Health Organization launches a global digital health certification network. TikTok punches back at Montana. And New York City, the latest metro to blame car companies for their crime problems. Today's headline topic, the World Health Organization's recent initiative, the Global Digital Health Certification Network, also known as the GDHCN. It's the latest attempt to digitize, centralize, and, let's face it, potentially exploit our most personal data, our health records. So what is the Global Digital Health Certification Network? As directly stated on the WHO website, The WHO's Global Digital Health Certification Network is an open-source platform built on robust and transparent standards that establishes the first building block of digital public health infrastructure for developing a wide range of digital products for strengthening pandemic preparedness and to deliver better health for all. Although trust networks were established for COVID-19 certificates, The infrastructure used for that can be extended to support multiple public health uses. The WHO would have us believe that the GDHCN is a real game changer. They've spun a narrative filled with terms like universal interoperability, a unified global standard, terms that seem to be ripped straight from Silicon Valley's lexicon. But beneath the glossy tech jargon lies a plethora of questions and concerns, especially when it comes to centralizing health data on a global scale. To paint a picture of the massive scale here, as per China Daily, as of June 6, 2023, a mind-boggling 193 UN member states and territories have expressed support for the GDHCN. The WHO claims that their new initiative will ensure these countries accept each other's digital health certificates. On paper, it sounds like a logical approach to tackling global health crises like COVID-19. But in the real world, it's a bit more of a gray area. Under the aegis of this network, an individual's health records, including vaccination statuses and other sensitive health data, are turned into a QR code that can be scanned and read by health authorities worldwide. This digital certification is designed to simplify healthcare processes bolster international cooperation, and theoretically curtail the spread of diseases. But it's crucial to ask, what are the potential downsides? The EU is already lauding this system, with officials touting it as, quote, an effective tool in the fight against COVID-19, as reported by Silicon Republic. But let's take a moment to unpack what this really signifies. Essentially, we're on the brink of an unprecedented level of surveillance and data collection that should alarm anyone with an ounce of regard for privacy and autonomy. And let's not forget about security. In their FAQs, the WHO asserts their commitment to, quote, ensuring that the privacy and security of individuals' health information is protected. Yet, they offer scant details on how they would plan to guarantee this in a world where data breaches are alarmingly routine. 
In simpler terms, they're asking us to take a leap of faith. Moreover, the WHO's claim that the network will, quote, support individuals to access health and care services across borders, as stated in their FAQs, has an attractive ring to it. But doesn't it seem likely to widen the gap in healthcare access? The fact remains that the most marginalized are often those with least access to the digital tools necessary to engage with this global network. A quote from the WHO's Director General, Dr. Tedros, seems to echo these sentiments. Inequities in digital access that mirror broader social inequalities must be overcome so that digital health does not exacerbate the very disparities we strive to alleviate. Yet, it remains unclear how exactly the GDHCN plans to tackle this fundamental issue. We now stand at the precipice of a world where the WHO seeks to dictate a global standard for digital healthcare certifications and medical care. While it promises to streamline healthcare and introduce conveniences, it simultaneously raises significant questions regarding privacy, security, and equity. These are issues that cannot and should not be swept under the rug. This is a topic worthy of our collective skepticism. Before we move on to our next headline update, please take out your phones and follow us on Twitter at RantingRP, where you can submit feedback, topics, and have your questions answered on our show. If you like ranting politics and support independent thought, press that like and follow button on your podcast feed to help support our distribution on this startup podcast. We are working hard to bring you insights free from agendas and commercial interests. Let's delve into the unfolding saga between TikTok, the social media giant, and the state of Montana. The crux of the matter lies in Montana's recent decision to ban the app, a move that TikTok has responded to with a lawsuit. The legal tussle is emblematic of the broader tensions between technology, privacy, and national security that are defining our digital age. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed a law on May 17th that effectively bans app stores from offering TikTok for download within the state, starting from January 1st, 2024. The governor's rationale for this move is to shield Montana citizens from potential foreign influence, specifically from the Chinese Communist Party, given that TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a Beijing-based company. This decision, however, has not gone unchallenged. TikTok has responded by filing a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the District of Montana, arguing that the law infringes upon its First Amendment rights. The company's spokesperson stated, We are challenging Montana's unconstitutional TikTok ban to protect our business and the hundreds of thousands of TikTok users in Montana. We believe our legal challenge will prevail based on an exceedingly strong set of precedents and facts. The legal team representing TikTok is Covington and Burling, a firm that has previously defended the company against a similar attempt to ban the app nationwide by the Trump administration in 2020. In that case, the judge ruled that the president had overstepped his authority by using emergency economic powers to block the app. In the current lawsuit, TikTok alleges that the Montana law violates its constitutionally protected rights to disseminate and promote third-party speech. 
The company also argues that the ban is preempted by federal law, as foreign affairs and national security are matters exclusively controlled by the federal government. Furthermore, TikTok contends that the law breaches the Commerce Clause in the U.S. Constitution, which prohibits states from enacting laws that unduly burden interstate and foreign commerce. The company also asserts that Montana's law unfairly singles out TikTok for punitive measures. This lawsuit comes in the wake of another legal challenge filed by five TikTok influencers on the same day Governor Gianforte signed the bill. While Montana, with a population of 1.1 million, is the first state to fully ban the app, concerns around TikTok's alleged national security threats have led to more than 30 states banning its use on government-issued devices. Congress has multiple bills on the table, ranging from a nationwide TikTok ban to legislation empowering the executive branch to restrict TikTok and other apps from foreign adversaries. However, Congress has been slow to act, with both Republicans and progressive Democrats expressing opposition to a ban. Numerous security officials, including FBI Director Christopher Wray, have warned that the app presents a threat to American users. Yet, it's important to remember that these are allegations, and the ultimate burden of proof in our legal system lies with those making the claims. As we continue to navigate the digital age, the balance between security and freedom of expression remains a contentious issue. Be sure to follow Ranting Politics for updates on this ban and ensuing lawsuit as we will continue to cover this potentially precedent-setting matter. Today's third headline update is a narrative that highlights a stark failure, not of corporate negligence as some might have you believe, albeit a product marketing failure, but of government policing responsibility and regulatory oversight in ensuring the safety and security of its citizens. It brings us to the heart of a controversy surrounding two multinational automotive corporations, Hyundai Motor and Kia, in New York City. Drawing on an account from a Financial Times article by Song Jong-ah, we find New York City accusing these South Korean automakers of negligence for startling increase in car thefts. This alleged negligence hinges on the absence of immobilizers in most of their vehicles between 2011 and 2022. But who truly is to blame? The automakers that are following the existing regulations or a government and regulatory body that have failed to mandate these necessary security features and providing a safe environment for citizens? After all, it is the government's primary duty to ensure the safety of its citizens and their property. The immobilizer, a device that prevents a car from starting without the correct code from a key fob, is a standard anti-theft feature in many vehicles today. Hyundai and Kia, complying with the standard set by the U.S. government, did not include this device in several of their models, which they were not required to do so. To exacerbate the situation, instructional videos on how to steal these specific vehicles went viral on TikTok, contributing to a disturbing surge in car thefts. The New York City Law Enforcement Department cites that the final four months of 2022, thefts of Hyundai vehicles skyrocketed from 12 to 104, and Kia thefts similarly soared from 10 to 99. 
Yet these companies complied with all federal requirements, and the government failed to respond to these emergent crime trends promptly. Now, the automakers are seeking to address the issue. Hyundai has implemented a software upgrade for nearly 4 million vehicles and is providing free steering wheel locks. Kia is undertaking similar measures for more than 3 million vehicles. A $200 million consumer class action settlement was reached last month involving approximately 9 million vehicle owners in the U.S. It's expected that more lawsuits will be filed against these corporations. This issue underscores the pivotal role of government in prioritizing and ensuring public safety. The finger-pointing strictly towards the car manufacturers has the scent of deflection from politicians that have failed the city's populations with rising crime rates. Hyundai and Kia will pay a heavy price for their failure to have immobilizers standard on every vehicle. The penalty, as it should, will come from the free market consumer. Unfortunately, we will see a new ranking from Car and Driver that U.S. customers will now check. A car's theft deterrence rating. Please like and or follow us, Ranting Politics, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other podcast outlets. You can follow us on Twitter at RantingRP. As always, thank you for listening to our headline updates for Ranting Politics, June 7th, 2023. Until next time, take care and stay free.